Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Across the Arts. I am Patrick D. McCoy and this is our edition of the conference. You can't hear me? I still can. I can hear you now. Okay. <laughs> Good morning. Thank you so much for, for taking this time to hear me. I hope that um my listeners, let me check and, and do a couple of troubleshooting. How about now? Now I can hear you. Okay, let me... I tell you, these these online productions, you have to almost have a full-fledged rehearsal before you do it. Can you, can you hear me now? Oh, man, I can't hear you, though. Can you hear me? Yes. How about now? I can hear you. Okay. Is it, is it okay for your ears? Is it like a reverb or echo or anything? No echo. It's completely clear. Okay. All right. Let me... See, can I check and see what's going on? I hear the birds chirping. There are so many birds in this park. <laughs> right. To my Facebook listeners, I hope that you all will bear with me. Just a few uh, technical difficulties, but I did want to start on time at 11 o'clock. Oh, I see that everyone's on here. I see we have a little bit of communication on here. Uh, I did want to start on time. Uh-oh, I just heard myself talking. Wait a minute. Let's see. Uh, okay, let's see. Hello, everybody on Facebook. Can you all hear me? Can you all hear me better now? <laughs> Thank you. Again, again, let, let's try to start this over. Again, I'm Patrick B. McCoy, and welcome to Across the Arts on Blog Talk Radio, a part of our The Conversation series. Today, we are joined by soprano Janice Chandler Itime. This is a conversation long overdue. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, Patrick. How are you here? I am so good. I just want to just give a set the stage a little bit. You know, I had a wonderful mentor coming up. His name is Jim Pinkett. He's still important to me to this day. And he used to introduce me to all of these wonderful recordings and all these wonderful singers. And your name was at the top of the list. Of course, at that time, you were Janice Chandler. And so I knew exactly who you were. And I never imagined that all of these years later, probably over 20 years later, I would meet you in person and um, just be able to witness your artistry. So I'm so appreciative uh, of having this opportunity with you today. Well, it's wonderful to be with you, Patrick, and I am so appreciative of you inviting me. You are um, quite the Renaissance man. <laughs> I, I am very, very impressed by all of your accomplishments. You are, you are a singer. You are uh, an organist, uh, a, a choir director, a teacher, a writer. 
hearts and you are really a bright light in our community. So I commend you, and I'm, I'm really honored to be on your platform. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I want to I wanna go back a little bit. When I talk to singers, particularly singers who now make their careers on the concert stage, I like to go all the way back in case someone is hearing about your career for the first time. I want to ask you, how did you discover your voice? Um, take me back to maybe your childhood. and when, when did you discover that you actually had a voice to sing? church school. I uh, was a student there from uh, kindergarten all the way to 10th grade. You kind of, in, in those days, uh, wanted to have uh, a high school, as well have a complete high school, but they only went to 10th grade, so I left in 10th grade. But when I was in middle school, uh, my middle school music teacher, Carrie Lawrence at the time, she's Carrie Lawrence Williams now, uh, but she uh, asked myself and two other uh, young girls, Lorraine Armstead and Karina Fell, if we would sing in a trio together. I was 12 years old at the time. And I was very surprised. I didn't, you know, realize that I, you know, really had, had uh, a voice, but apparently she thought that I did. And so she formed this trio, and our uh, name was the Triad Trio. <laughs> really cute. And uh, we started singing in the uh, DMV, the metro area, at different churches, of course, at DuPont Park. And we, uh, we even get to the talent uh, competition, a gospel talent competition in 1981. And we won the gospel uh, portion of that competition. We got a chance to sing at Constitution Hall. Wow. came here and I was formerly the organist choir master at Trinity Church DC, Lorraine Armstead would come and sing in the choir um, during my tenure there often. So it, it, it's so amazing how the world is so small. Now I want to keep, keep, I want to keep with this vein of, of, of talking about you and the church. As you mentioned, you were seven day at Venice and you were raised in the church. Talk about your parents and um, just how they encourage your musical upbringing. Yes. And uh, my father had actually a lovely 
lovely voice, and so he enjoyed um, singing in the choir. And um, Mr. Jackson had quite an influence on me. Um, also, his predecessor, um, Alma Blackman, was uh, is also another great name. She was the piano teacher of Roberta Flack. I don't know if you knew that, but she taught Roberta Flack. Wow. University. I mean, it's so amazing how so many great musicians, yourself included, comes out of that lineage of Oakwood University. Um, the main experience that I had with you was when I first moved to the area, you sang a concert at Sligo Seventh-day Adventist Church. You sang the Bach Yawks at Galton All in London with Lloyd Mallory was the conductor. Tell me a little bit about um, working with Lloyd Mallory and how you all forged this friendship and also professional relationship. Mozart. Yeah. 
Um, so, and then that led to some other things with him. Talk about his his uh, countenance and, and your interactions with the late Robert Shaw. you have certainly sung with a lot of conductors. And since you just mentioned the Brahms Requiem, I have kind of a personal tie-in story because when I was a graduate student at Shenandoah Conservatory, Mr. Robert Schaefer was my professor for choral literature. And we were, we were talking about all of these different choral works. And at this time, you and I had not met in person yet, but I knew who you were. And so I remember I was sitting in the class, and when we started to listen to the Brahms Requiem, he pulls out the Telloc recording with you and Maestro Craig Jessup and the Morbid Tabernacle Choir. And I just, I just thought that was so amazing. I was like, hey, I know Janice Taylor. She looks like me. So I was like really, really excited. And I think Nathan Gunn is the, the baritone on, on that recording. Um, talk to me. And now since you have performed works like the Brahms Requiem, 
and you performance work, works like the Messiah and Mendelssohn's Elijah. Could you maybe talk about maybe to the young singers who are on here, like finding your niche, like really knowing, like, I mean, maybe I'm misspeaking, but I just feel like those great sacred oratorios really fit your voice like a glove. Could you maybe talk about finding your niche and maybe the things that work best for your voice? that you definitely hear in early music, particularly the early Baroque music and um, maybe towards the, the end of that particular period, or actually the beginning of that period. I was uh, amazed uh, many years ago when I ran across your recording of the Monte Verde Vespers. Yes. 
Um, talk about that, because I know sometimes you definitely have to make a stylistic transition uh, between periods. So, uh, how is that singing that, that particular work? questions coming in, and so I want to go ahead and intersperse uh, some of these questions just to make the best use of our, our time. I'm going to go away from classical music right now. Um, Dante Davis is asking about your collaboration with Richard Smallwood. Thank you. 
rogue. There was no there was no cheat music. None of that. Just me listening to it and learning it by rogue and come up, take the train, come to um that's the thought. I don't remember the address of the um of the auditorium, but I I said surely I'll do it because you know, Richard Smallwood Richard Smallwood is so special to me. I remember the very first recording I heard of his was back it was when I was a freshman at Oakwood. And it was the recording that happened, I Love the Lord. Mm. I remember walking to campus and listening to that, listening to that recording on my little, at that time, cassette tapes. That's what we used way back then. But Richard is, you know, you know I didn't know him personally. His music had touched me deeply, mm. you know, as a young person. So I was just elated. And so I told Patrick, and I, I listened. Well, actually, no. I could not download the MP3. So actually, I didn't even get a chance to listen. Before I got there, so I was learning the song hours before the recording. While they were putting makeup on me, I'm, I'm listening, and and it was just, I was just, I was just so overjoyed to see that. Um, so when the, the moment came to to perform, I, I I was able by by the grace of God to to do a good job. I turned around a couple of the of the uh, lyrics, though. So a few months. Later, Richard asked me to come back into the studio to re-record it. But the fun part is that we never—I never was able to actually go and, and fix the fix the um the test. And so, what you hear on that album is exactly what. No, no. What you hear on the album. What you hear on the album. Okay, let me get this straight. <laughs> beneficial to some other students who go through this. Um, you had the whole HBCU experience. I'm a proud HBCU graduate to Virginia State. Uh, at Oak, You had that experience at Oakwood, and then you went off to graduate school at Indiana. Can you maybe talk about the, maybe the transition uh, as opposed to, um, I guess, the, 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 the work, the the work ethic, for lack of better words, maybe at at, at 
Oakwood versus Indiana, were they similar? Did one prepare you more for the other? Could you maybe talk a little bit about that?
thank you, Janice. That, that's amazing. And that goes to show you, you, you're a lifelong student, regardless when you're in school, you always have to continue. It's not just about taking just the diction class. You often just, you have to take the language too. You have a question here. Uh, Gabriel Walker wants to know, can you talk a little bit about uh, developing a career in concert and recital uh, repertoire in the 21st century? Mm-hmm. 
So, you, of course, you mentioned the late Norman Scribner, and I, I recall, uh, I want to say maybe 2015, and maybe before, they had a huge tribute to him at Washington Ash Cathedral, and you sang there, and I met your husband, Patrick, and uh, it was such a memorable experience. And then also, yesterday marked the four-year anniversary of the death of J. Raleigh Lewis, so you had the opportunity to work with uh both of those great conductors. And I want to ask you, I'm not sure, and I should have researched this. Didn't you all record the Brahms Requiem also with um, choral arts? Right. Okay. So let's go back a little bit about, back to, uh, you know, being uh, embraced in the the choral community as a a principal soloist. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about Washington because of the Norman Scribner connection and and J. Raleigh Lewis. Uh, Could you maybe talk about uh, Baltimore? Because I know that the community choir, concert choir of Baltimore just adores you. Talk about your experience with experiences performing with Dr. Marco Merrick and that great choir. He, he just 
Now, you know, Marco, I have to give a shout out because he's definitely my alpha file for brother as well. So a five. <laughs> uh, you have another you have another uh you have another famous soprano on on here that you share um a connection with Miss Angela Brown. <laughs> and you may have you may have mentioned this, but she wanted you to talk about a little bit about your experience with uh Miss Ziani. at the age of 21. Can you imagine that? 
Wow. Wow, that makes me think about the whole um, idea of mentorship and just, uh, you know, pulling somebody else along with you as you climb. Who are some of the, I know we kind of touched on some of the singers, but is there a particular singer beyond um, uh, Ms. Ziani? Um, maybe, I'll just go ahead and say, maybe, maybe a black singer that really was like your model or maybe took time to really mentor you in this career? Virginia stays. That, that's a, that, a, a great perspective. I want to go back to when you were talking about uh, Columbia Artist Management and the transition that you eventually had to make um, for, for standing, you know, for your beliefs and so forth. So I want to kind of just go back to that uh, because I think that takes a lot that sometimes, you know, people, everybody's not going to agree with you, but you have to stand firm on, uh, on your beliefs. So, and so just going back to that, you really, if, if, if that was your, your, your path that you wanted, you could have gone 
or to be on the opera stages and so forth. But because, you know, but the Sabbath and, and being a, a devout Seventh-day Adventist, you had to make that choice. I was reading this. It's a feature story. It's a huge article about you. I think it's from 1996 in the Baltimore Sun. And it was a very insightful article. I learned things that I really um you know, didn't didn't uh, bring it to account. So, could you maybe talk about um, just um, being able to stand firm, um, regardless of what people may think? You know, Patrick, that was such a difficult time for me because you know I was I'm was a little bit naive in, in believing that you know I would be able to. Say I can't do this or do that, you know, within the within the uh, music industry, and I thought that people would just think that that's okay. You can do it how you want to do it, you know. And when I found out that if I wouldn't be able to do that, especially as, as far as opera was concerned, um, I just felt that I needed that. I needed the Sabbath for myself as an African performer. I wanted to have um, I wanted to have the Sabbath hours for myself, and I felt like if I if I compromise um, with the Sabbath, then what else would I compromise with? Mm. You know, I felt like this had been such a part of my understanding as far as you know, because the thing is like it's the Ten Commandments, and um, it also has to do, and this will bring me into another another place. It also has to the fact that it's a, there's, there's things preferentially happening now, obviously, that don't. Yeah, I can't hear you. Uh-oh. It's important to me in covenant with God. That's something that I was actually talking about in one of my, my Facebook posts. Um, covenant relationship with God really requires our obedience. Our obedience doesn't save us. We're clear on that as Christians.
questions on Facebook, but I just wanted to say thank you so much. As I mentioned, this this chat between us, of course, we see each other at passing and on Facebook and at the Kennedy Center, but to be able to have this um, rather intimate, in-depth conversation with you, I'm so thankful. I wonder, if you don't mind, I want to play a little bit. I know a lot of singers are, are peculiar about hearing recordings, but I always enjoy this recording of you singing um, the heightened creation. So I have a clip that I want to play, uh, and hopefully we can actually, uh, you know, this, this, as I mentioned uh, before, it's like you almost have to have a rehearsal before you start doing this stuff. Oh, I think, let me see. Hopefully it's right. Here. Just give me one second. But as we're, we're preparing for this, I just want to, Sure. I saw an announcement. You're going to go into PR work. Did I see that? Yes. Yeah, so, so this is a, a good segue. So I am um, in conjunction with the things I already cover on my beat, your stories and coverage. That, that won't change. But so many people, so many colleagues have encouraged me to say, Patrick, you know, you've been doing this stuff for a long time. You need to be able to transition into uh, making a professional arm of what you do. So just uh, in addition to uh, doing my regular coverage, uh, some of those other boutique art services, PR services that people might need, like press releases and uh, just more uh, visibility to their projects, I'm going to now be doing that on a professional basis. So it's McCoy PR Arts, and I hope that, uh, you know, if you know people or if the listeners are looking for those kind of additional services, we're here. <laughs> Thank you. I think I have uh, found what I'm looking for. Oh, here we are. And oh yes, I remember this. And hopefully this will work.
Uh-oh, it's buffering. Janice, it has been such a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much. Again, I am Patrick D. McCoy, and you've been listening to Soprano Janice Chandler Itime on the Conversation Series. I have a special announcement to share with you all. The Maestro Series returns this Friday at 11 o'clock a.m. as I interview the acclaimed conductor, Roderick Cox. So please tune in on Friday, 11 o'clock a.m., where I will chat with conductor Roderick Cox on the Maestro Series. He'll be chatting live with me from Berlin, Germany. So I'm so excited. And again, this has been Patrick B. McCoy, Across the Arts. You can also listen to this as a podcast on Blog Talk Radio at www.blogtalkradio.com. And, of course, you can listen to it and rewatch it here on Facebook. Again, thank you all so much for joining us for the Conversation Series. You all have a great day.
Carolina when I was there, as well as Riri Griff. Mm. And of course, I I was playing with both of them. Miss Griff was always a lovely, perfect 